Sitting in a sleazy snack bar, sucking sickly sausage rolls. Slipping down slowly, slipping down sideways, think I'll sign off the door. Cause the fog on the tine is all mine, all mine. The fog on the tine is all mine. The fog on the tine is all mine, all mine. The fog on the tine is all mine. With me, I've got Rod Clements, uh, original member of Linda's Farm, still on the tour on the road on their 50th anniversary of the band. Started way back, well, when they formed with Alan back in 1969 at Whitley Bay, wasn't it, Rod? It was Whitley Bay Folk Club, the Rex Hotel Folk Club, which Alan and his manager ran, and and that was where we first met him. Yeah, what was those days like? Because you was in your own band collectively as Brethren, weren't you? Well, we had our own band called Brethren, which was the um, its descendant, if you like, of a blues band called the Downtown Faction. And uh, in, in the late 60s, uh, the music scene was moving away from straight Chicago blues, which was what we favoured, uh, and more into sort of heavy rock and prog and stuff like that, which we weren't all that keen on. We, we wanted to stick with the blues, but we couldn't get gigs. So we shifted slightly into more of a folk blues direction, doing um, Lead Belly and Woody Guthrie songs and more of an acoustic feel, which was our passport into the folk clubs generally and uh, Alan's Rex Folk Club in particular. And he, he liked what we did. We, we did a couple of kind of floor spots there and he invited us back as, as guests. We ended up doing a couple of songs for him. He was in the process of recording demos at Impulse Studios in Wall's End, uh, along with his manager at the time. He invited us along to back him and uh, it just kind of grew from there, really. Before you, you joined in Charisma, didn't you? Yeah, we signed up for Charisma in um, mid-1970, I think it was. Who came up with the name Lindisfarne? It was a kind of collective thing. Uh, we were told that we couldn't be called Brethren because there was an American band of that name, of whom nobody ever heard anymore, by the way. No. <laughs> but uh, John Anthony, who produced our first album, was up in Tynemouth uh, rehearsing with us, going through the songs for the album. And we were trying to think of a name and you know, thought, thought of loads and rejected loads. And somebody mentioned that they'd been up to Lindisfarne for the weekend, you know, just, just for a trip out kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and he said, where's that? We told him about Holy Island and all that. And he said, that's your name. It's perfect. We were a bit uh, a bit sceptical at first, but he was proved right. And it's turned out to be a good name after all. It served us well over all these years. Yeah, it has. And, and also being local as well to where you, yeah, you, you exactly. were. It was ideal. It's got other um, connotations as well. The, the fact that it's a place slightly apart. You know, it's a tidal island which is cut off from, from times and it kind of, kind of reflects our kind of a distance between ourselves and the mainstream music business in a way. Yeah, and a sort of a spiritual feel as well. We, we have our moments. <laughs> now, I've got to ask you, Rod, uh, Meet Me on the Corner, what a great single you come out with there. Thanks. Were you surprised at the top five hit in the, in the charts? Yeah, we were. we were. We were quite amazed, actually. The song went through several transformations before we recorded it the way we did. I, I originally wrote it as quite a sort of gentle, wistful folk song, which is the way I play it now, solo, actually. Hey, Mr. Dream Solo, where have you been? I came along just to bring you this song. Can you spare one dream for me? And the band tried out different 
different versions of it. But um, when we hit on the one that everybody knows, that's the Lindisfarne single, we knew we'd got it. We knew we'd nailed it. And we knew it was good. And it was part of the Fog on the Tyne album, which was being produced by Bob Johnston, which was a, a very big deal at the time. Yes. You know, it was, it was a lot of... The best album of the year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a lot of media interest because of, of the fact that Bob was producing it. And there was a bit of a buzz around the band anyway. So I suppose it wasn't a 100% surprise that it took off, but it was, you know, a good 95% that um, we were actually in the States touring at a fairly modest level. I mean, the Charisma and Electra, who are our American company, had put a lot of faith in us and took us over there supporting bigger shows like the Kinks and the Beach Boys and people like that. And, and we were over there when Meet Me on the Corner went top five in the UK and everything changed. You know, we suddenly got boosted up a, a, a rank. I've said before, but the minibus changed into a limo. The hotels got better and we got more gigs and more interviews and things like that. It really started to happen. I bet the Kinks one, though, was an interesting one, wasn't it? Because, you know, th- that was a failed tour for, for them with all their in, in-house disagreements. We never saw too much of that. Um, we didn't see all that much of them, to be honest. No. Uh, I mean, what we did was quite convivial, but we weren't aware of any on-stage shenanigans or, or anything like that. I think they'd, um, they'd either got over it by then or they were going through a more a, a more placid phase. Yeah. They, they, they were really good. I mean, I remember being, you know, really impressed with, with them live. Yeah, sure. Why split in 1973? Well, I'm afraid I have to put that down to Alan. Because of the amount of touring or were doing and the fact that it was all becoming a bit of a, a rock and roll circus really I think he felt he was cut off from his roots and his writing inspiration and his family and things like that and he became quite difficult to work with for, for a while he, he wanted changes in the band there were partly because of the nature of the of the music at the time yeah we, we were stopping to retune the guitars and things like that a, a, a lot we, we did a lot of open tunings and things which was unusual then and we didn't have five or six guitars each like people have nowadays. And he, he was getting a bit frustrated by that. I think he wanted a slicker machine, really. And he, he wanted to make changes in the lineup. And the rest of us said, well, look, we're not, we're not having that. You know, it's uh, it's our band and you came into it. I, I'd actually perceived it originally as more of a Dylan and the band type setup. But anyway, it, it, one thing led to another and he, he actually announced that we were splitting before deciding that with the rest of us, uh, which made a split inevitable. Uh, And he decided to continue with the band name, and Ray Jackson decided to go with him, uh, and the rest of us carried on as Jack the Lad. Yeah, and of course, I mean, you had Ray and and Cy and and Billy Mitchell you brought in from Canada, didn't you? Yeah, he was an old friend from the, the old Tyneside folk club and general club and gigging around scene. Uh, and he was an obvious choice, and he fitted in great. Uh, well, you had four years of doing that, and but in those four years, of course, you you uh, you played bass on a number one record. <laughs> I did <laughs> yes. I, I, I wasn't in Jacksonland by that time. I, I okay. I, I, I left about halfway through. I, I just had enough of bands generally at that stage, and I, I I liked the way I could see the Americans doing things. You know, there's a lot more freelancing going on, people playing in kind of loose combinations that, that changed from, from time to time. So I, I went out on my own, and a bit of a rash thing to do in hindsight, but I got lucky because I got a gig with Michael Chapman, 
did various playing jobs with various people, and one of them was Ralph McKell. And he invited me to do a, a session with Bert Jansch, actually. Was the, uh, Ralph was kind of mentoring and producing Bert and trying to revive his career, which had kind of stalled. And uh, I, I, I was over the moon with that because I've been a huge Bert fan for, for years, you know, ever since his early albums in the mid-60s. So he got uh, he, he got me and Bert into the studio to record In the Bleak Midwinter for Bert's Christmas single. And we had some time left over at the end, so Ralph said, do you mind doing one of mine? And we did Streets of London, which which was a hit, and, and Bert's wasn't, unfortunately. No. But um, Bert's In the Bleak Midwinter actually did make it onto uh, a couple of Christmas compilation albums, and it's had quite a long life of its own. Yeah, what a, what a, what a brilliant guitarist. He was, certainly was. Yeah. A great inspiration to me, still is. Sure. And uh, 1977 then, you, you reunited, you had three sell-out gigs at Newcastle City Hall. Yeah. Not forgotten by your fans, that's for sure, was it? And the Christmas concerts? Oh, absolutely not. The, the, the Christmas concerts had uh, been a little bit of a tradition already, simply because when we lived up in the North East, although we were mainly based in London by that time, we always asked the agent to book us into... Newcastle uh, for the last gig before Christmas so we could all be home for Christmas and that's how it started really so after we split up and had a you know a couple of years hiatus a guy called uh, Barry McKay who's a businessman a promoter entrepreneur uh, had the idea of getting us back together for the uh, the revived Christmas shows the first ones were in 1976 and, and that was supposed to be a one-off but the demand was so high, he got us back together in 77 to do the same thing. And, and that was recorded for a, a double album called Magic in the Air. And, and after that, we decided to get together full time. But it's a, it, it's a lovely hall and it just feels like our spiritual home, really. Yeah, and acoustically, it... it, it it's great, yeah. yeah. Now, in 1990, Ray Jackson uh, left the band. Yeah. Uh, what was his decision for that? Um, well, it, he was living in London, the rest of us had back up north by this time. Yeah. He found it difficult to uh, make ends meet on the band income alone, so he started taking other things on, uh, and that meant he couldn't make some of the band commitment. And um, Alan, again, confronted him over it. Uh, they had a big row about it, and after which Jacka left. Whose um, idea was it to record with Gaza? Um, it was a kind of a collective thing because uh, Gaza's management wanted to record an album and they asked if they could do uh, they asked if he could do Fog on the Tyne and Alan and Steve Daggett our producer at the time who's, who's a current member of the band now went back to them and said look how about us rewriting the words for Gaza so they came up with the the new set of lyrics and uh, and then the, the track was put together and it, it was all kind of done in bits, you know, the way people make records. Yes. Now, we, we recorded the track, sent it to Gaza, he put a vocal on. Um, the first time I actually met him was when he came up to do the video in Newcastle. And it was it was just a bit of fun, really. Um, Sausage rolls in a dirty old town on the back of the time, setting my sights.
thought it wouldn't do us any harm. Gaza had a very positive media profile then. He was he was all over the front pages as being a, a daft lad, good, good natured, good sense of humour, very positive thing. We, we actually hoped that more might come of it, but um, it didn't, unfortunately. But at least it got a good chart showing and it uh, revived the band's profile. Uh, 1995, a bad year really, because Alan, Alan passed away, didn't he? Yes, he did, yeah. Did it come as a shock or was it something that... It was a complete shock. It was totally out of the blue. He died very suddenly. He, he was only 50. And um, he was in the midway stages of recording a solo album. Fortunately, he'd done uh, all the vocals, although some of them were just guide vocals. And um, Dave Denham, as he was then, uh, was helping him out on the album. And he, he finished it for him after Alan had died. Uh, Dave went on to marry one of Alan's daughters. And he, he, so he's now... Dave Holden alongside me at the front of Lindisfarne. takes it nicely on to the new uh, documentary that will be aired on BBC4 uh, on Alan and the band. Bet you're excited about that because I know you're involved in that, aren't it's, you? Well, yeah, it's it's more about Alan and his songs okay. and his character the, than it is about the band, although the band obviously figures uh, largely in it. And I, I haven't had all that much to do with it, although I, I was invited to um, contribute to it. So I went down to Northfields and had a chat with Sam Fender, who was kind of hosting the conversations. He's a big Alan fan. You know, being a young lad, he doesn't know that much of the history. So the, the, the context the producers created was kind of Sam asking me and, and other people associated with the band, asking us about Alan and what he was like and various things about songwriting, which a, a nice framing device for the programme, I think. Who are the members in your band, Rod? Well, in the band... Um, at the moment, it's a bit of a funny story, actually, because Barry McKay, as I mentioned earlier, was managing Ray Jackson. He suggested that Jacker put a band together of former members in 2013 to do the Christmas shows at Newcastle City Hall. And he uh, recruited Dave, who I mentioned, and who I'd played with a lot before and loved playing with, and uh, Ian Thompson, the bass player, Steve Daggett, uh, who I mentioned before as well, Charlie Harcourt, who was guitarist in the Mark II band, sadly no longer with us. He retired and died last year. And finally, they brought in Paul Thompson of Roxy Music yes. on drums, because he's a local lad and a great drummer and, and fitted in great. So they did that in at Christmas 2013, and then they did Christmas 2014. At that point, Jacker decided to retire. The rest of the band decided they wanted to carry on, so they asked me 
to come in, but not exactly to replace Jacka because, you know, we're all different characters and we yes. don't really replace each other. But um, to kind of front it alongside of Dave. The way it works is that Dave mostly does Alan's songs because he's, he's got an uncannily similar voice to Alan. And, uh, and I do my songs and one or two others as well. I felt when I rejoined them at the beginning of 2015 that it was very much back to the spirit of the early days of the band. There was a similar kind of loose vibe. It was very, very creative, very switched on. Everybody got on great. There's no egos. There was no, no leaders and, you know, just all felt very comfortable and it, it worked great. Last year, 2020, was the official 50th anniversary of the band from, from 1970. And, and we had lots of things planned. We were getting a, a special beer brewed by an independent brewery in Newcastle. We were getting a, a, a big magazine written about the band to take on gigs with us. You know, lots of branding on the promotion and things like that. And it's uh, it, it's all gone down the drain. So many anniversaries as well, I think. We're, we're, you know, you're not alone there, but... Um, hey, you know, let's let's forget about last year and, and. Well, that's that's my feeling entirely. I mean, yeah. some people around the band have, have said, "Oh, let's just make it the fiftieth anniversary this year," but uh, I, I feel I'd rather put it all behind us and move on and forget about anniversaries. You know, celebrate the fact that we're still here and still around, obviously, but but uh, move on, look to the future. The love of Lindisfarne has never gone away from so many people your songs keep cropping up on tv don't they uh, uh, they, they, they do and they get uh, they get a, a fair bit of radio play new versions of some of them like sam's winter song and uh, elizabeth little's meet me on the corner you know there's, there's yes. there are the songs are here to stay that's that's for sure and i hope we are too lovely speaking with you and we'll see you on the road very shortly thanks a lot here